Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace be upon you and welcome to this week's edition to Pathway to Peace. A show which takes an analytical look at the current issues and trends affecting us all. Trying to find the answers to problems that affect our political peace, economic peace, social peace, and inner peace. This week we'll be focusing on attaining inner peace. Imagine a workplace culture where doing what your job description says is considered enough. No more going above and beyond, trying to impress the boss. As the world of work has experienced a drastic change since the pandemic, the changing workplace culture has resulted in a mindset that has currently dominated social media with the hashtag quiet quitting. (coughs) Despite the name, quiet quitting has nothing to do with quitting your job. It means doing only what your job demands and nothing more. Quitting doing anything extra. You still show up for work, but stay strictly within the boundaries of your job requirements. So no more helping out with additional tasks or checking emails outside of work hours. Since the pandemic, an increasing number of young workers have grown tired of not getting the recognition and compensation for putting in extra hours. They're saying no to burnout and instead focusing on work-life balance. The movement is centred around self-preservation and acting your wage. In this week's episode of Pathway to Peace, the presenters take a look at quiet quitting and discuss whether it is a recent phenomenon or is it simply a logical consequence of the behaviour of companies trying to survive in a capitalist free market system. Is the never-ending pursuit of profits a threat to the mental health of its workers? Is there a moral dimension to business that Islam prescribes for the benefit of wider society? That's why this week's programme has been titled Quiet Quitting. Are we facing a burnout epidemic? My name is Glee Manuel and I'm your host for today's programme. With me in the studio to, to attempt to dissect this topic and present the Islamic perspectives on the issues discussed are fellow Pathway to Peace presenters Anil Tahir and Shams Najim. So, Aslam Kuman, a warm welcome to you both. Um, yeah, I th- you know, every sort of, every year... Uh, you I suppose at the end of the year, you hear this sort of Oxford Dictionary's word of the year, basically. And I'm wondering if this this term "quiet quitting" is going to make it in for 2022. I'd never heard of the word or the expression, rather, the phrase um, before <laughs> before this sort of the the, the week of, sort of building up to this as we're doing the research for it. Um, but it seems to be sort of in fashion at the moment. Um, and obviously, we'll we'll explore. Is it is it actually anything new? But uh, I just thought it's probably quite typical, given the fact that obviously coming into September, yep, school's back on, colleges, universities, p- people coming back from sort of holidays, um, although well, there's still a bit of time left. Well, obviously, I'm just still go- you're actually you're due to go on holiday soon anyway, but but um, everyone's kind of getting back to work, I guess. I guess that sort of a summer period um, is off. But at the same time, <laughs> Manil, we were just talking before the show, hasn't really been much of a holiday for you, has it? <laughs> No, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's summer and, and you think things wind down a bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a four-day week and I didn't realise. I thought it was uh, longer than that. Uh, so, yeah. So. Yeah, no, 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 exactly, exactly. <coughs> but this, um, 
I mean, just this notion then, I mean, I'm sure we were talking about even earlier before the show as well about quiet quitting and then <laughs> obviously reflecting on our own sort of <laughs> occupational history. And I think about my times of sort of chopping and changing various roles and, and I think deep down have I is that something that I've always been doing and not realizing it <laughs> yeah I was uh I was saying if you need an expert he's here um <laughs> I can talk you through it <laughs> I think um look it's some of the things you said there it's interesting isn't it because if when referencing quiet quitting you're you're trying to highlight the the fact that people have now recognized the need for a more balanced work life yeah home life um then yeah it's 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 only a positive if you look at it from that angle but if from the other aspect you're looking at it as people are just not willing to go above and beyond and not willing to work hard and not willing to sort of step up yeah then yeah i mean we hear all, all these sort of terms thrown around and millennials and yeah. you know up and coming you know the the youth the inability that they may have to do certain things and then Anil mentioned before the show we've got things like you know social media and we're always yeah. you know we're, we're just living at 110 miles an hour all the time yeah. um, all these things combined um, yeah. uh, probably can give us some clarity as to why quiet quitting has become this yeah. new sort of phenomenon over the past what would you say, I, I would say since probably COVID yeah. has probably heightened it at, at least anyway yeah. um, it's a combination of a lot of things <coughs> that a, a lot the way we live life and as a combination of that isn't it it's, it's a combination of yeah yeah uh, well you, you sort of made mention of sort of social media and so th <clears throat> there was an article about this on the BBC website um, quite quitting the workplace trend taking over TikTok and that's probably where we've that's where this term has originated from an article on the BBC website <clears throat> on the 31st of August um, and what was quite interesting to know is uh, is a paragraph in there that says perhaps surprisingly the overall movement this sort of movement may have its origins in China where the now censored hashtag hashtag Tangping meaning lie flat was used in protest against the long hours culture so it is interesting it's not as with some things the, it had a very geographic sort of persuasion but this this seems to be a global phenomenon is that fair to say well, I think social media was the, has made it all global. I guess there's nothing, there's no escaping that anymore. Yeah, I mean, social media in general has <laughs> meant that we all kind of live in this global city now, isn't it? And yeah. we're all sort of within touching distance. So, um, something that can apply on the other side of the world most probably can can apply somewhat to where you live as well. But yeah, uh, yeah I was. I mean, what from what you've just said there, and something I was, you know, just looking at in. Yeah, in front of me is like yeah. this burnout epidemic yeah. and is it is it kind of linked that are people you know is it a bit too much now um, have people worked too hard yeah. too much um, I don't know like I'm as I'm as I'm speaking I'm trying to answer that but yeah. I don't know if that if that necessarily is the case I don't know whether it is about it um, is from for majority of the people at least yeah. is it a burnout thing yeah. I, yeah. maybe but I think I think for the majority of people this this culture is probably more stemming from the fact. Yeah. I mean, if, again, if we put a lot together now, like looking at trying to go a bit wider out, like energy crisis, the cost of living, everything yeah. is so difficult. You're probably thinking, why am I working so hard? Yeah. And then not getting anything in return anyway. You're you're probably more looking at it from that stance and thinking, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and, uh, along with sort of our, our, our political state at the moment. And 
I don't know. There Probably is a, there is a, there is a side to me that makes you think it's quite subjective. Mm. And, and I, what I mean by that is, so, so, so I obviously been sort of doing the research for this. I'd come across some sort of posts where ethnic minorities, and I'm just sort of quoting from that article where they said, well, ethnic minorities don't have the luxury for quiet quitting. Meaning that whatever the case, they've got to put in the hours in order to kind of, you know, climb up the social ladder um, and, and I'm, I'm just thinking from my own perspective when I think uh, yeah you know I do th- I think 10 years ago and you think you couldn't afford to quiet quit in, in inverted commas because you've got to work if you have to work extra hard you have to not because you've got to you've got to impress you've got to be seen to sort of you know climb up it's actually but when you've made it well you don't need to impress do you no, I'm not saying a- I've made it by the way no 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 but it's actually true isn't it it's like if you if you come if you're coming from a background of maybe, yeah, poverty and and you know you're, yeah. you know, struggling to put food on the table, you sure, you yeah. cannot afford mm. to quite quit. But if you're sort of on a fairly decent salary, working yeah. in the city, yeah. working from home a few days a week, you probably could afford to be a bit lazier, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, uh, and get away with it. Yeah, it is subjective. I agree. Um, but I mean, yeah. I think this article in the in the Guardian, which. Um, <coughs> You know, talks about uh, it says the rich are irrational when it comes to work. Yeah, is this is it just just a quote? This article is this the one? Your work is not your god. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it but it makes sense as well. It, yeah. If somebody's worked that hard or uh, is that successful, yeah. they've got to where they've got to, you know. Yes. In most cases, pr- probably because of the, the work they put work, it, yeah. put in, <laughs> and so once they've got there, yeah, how would they know? You know where to stop. That's just then maybe yeah. it's naturally engineered within them to continue doing yeah. that, and not necessarily because they've got enough money or you know they feel like they need to stop. That, yeah. You know, it's just a constant. They feel like they need yeah. to be doing something or yeah. you know innovating or you know creating a new business or whatever it is. Um, and so, in some ways, it does make sense as to why yeah. um, the more successful overachievers will continue. Um, but True. there does come to a point where you know you may be doing too much, and that leads to that burnout. That burnout. That, that's a good point, actually. I, w- I was listening to Stephen Bartlett's oh, yeah. uh, diary of a CEO yeah. recently, and yeah. he was talking to Gary Neville, right. and um, just the amount of work that 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 Gary Neville. Clearly, he's he's wealthy, he's successful, he's rich. But since giving up football, the amount of companies and things he gets involved in. And I just remembered from a previous episode where Stephen Bartlett said to someone that from you know everyone he interviews, obviously he's interviewing people who are you know quite successful, yeah. and he's trying to create this sort of um, th- what well, the whole purpose of this show is to um, give people a boost really and, and and highlight to people that you know the ordinary man can really make it and and the journey of those people that have made it to such heights of success. Yeah, but he said one thing in common with everyone is hard work is the one thing you cannot substitute to be successful so yeah it's a it's mm. a good point that yeah if if you have made it to the top it's a reason there's a reason why you've got there yeah and you're not about to stop because it probably doesn't exist within you to sort of stop and slow it's down it's true actually it's now you've sort of that that behavior is becoming ingrained mm. you can't just switch it off yeah something else just, i think Stephen Bartlett mentioned in that interview um was the fact that he has someone kind of like 
um, filtering through his emails and he he doesn't yeah. read all of them because it, I mean if, if he did he wouldn't have time so yeah. I suppose someone at that level has the ability to kind of filter out what he needs to see whereas we might be at work and you know, you know how many emails or maybe not even at work but just filtering trying to filter the emails trying to like cope yeah. with all all these things and I think Gary Neville mentioned that he had um, gone to a psychiatrist at one mm. point during wow. his career where he had kind of a bit of a, wow. a confidence block yeah. and uh, you know he had um, learnt coping mechanisms right. and so I think maybe not everyone has those coping me- mechanisms or has learnt those you know uh, yeah. has got those skills to cope with the level of, 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 of stress and <laughs> interestingly during during Covid I think because people started working from home yeah. and it became it was a new it's a new concept I mean it's probably been around for a while yeah. but on that sort of scale yeah, exactly people I mean I could talk from experience I didn't know when to when switch to off so you yeah. know you're 9 to 5 it's you just true. kind of ca- you're like oh the laptop's there you yeah. can just carry on and yeah. and then eventually you ca- kind of find a balance when you realise okay actually I need to kind of you know yeah. switch off a little bit yeah, here yeah. and actually draw yeah. the line somewhere yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's also added to because um, Really, we're not, we're, you know, if you're working a desk job and you're in front of a screen, you're not doing intensive labour or, or something like that. Yeah. But still that toll of kind of constantly looking at a screen for 12 hours a day. Yeah, totally. That, that surely will take, the, uh, you know, take its toll. <coughs> no doubt. And I, and I totally agree, actually. You're right. I think when I can remember when, when sort of lockdown happened and, you know, coming from an organisation which at the time it was sort of was a bit frowned upon to work from home. Um to then move completely working from home it was novel and it was like yes right um but then you're absolutely that the the lines were like blurred beyond all recognition um and yeah may, um, and maybe yeah and, uh, and i think we're still finding ourselves i think even now companies although I, yeah i mean i'm kind of going back you know sort of two days a week there is that push naturally for people to come back however i think on the whole people are still remote still working from home and maybe, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if that's why this thing has kind of taken off, that people are just really are clocking up the hours. Um, wow. And they're just, yeah. You guys work too hard. The line can be clearer for me. <laughs> no, um, I think, I, I don't know. Do you, is it, so is, do you think then laziness is like a, a learnt behaviour? Because a lot of people coming out of COVID have struggled, and we see this even within our community, yeah. um, outside and work life. Like People are struggling to get back in yeah. to sort of the groove of working hard and those long hours. Yeah. Because they've now recognised that actually you can be at home, you can spend more time with your family, you can enjoy your life a bit more yeah, yeah. rather than have those 12-hour days and then not really you know, see your family much and then you only got the weekends and then that goes too quickly. So I, I don't know, is it is it laziness or what? what is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, when I start thinking about, about these things, I think, it, think about it from my perspective and then I think, well, okay, I've got the luxury of possibly working from home. Yeah. But if you think during the pandemic, doctors, nurses, hmm. they have to be yeah. in the hospital, and, yeah. and you know yeah. they're under such strain and pressure, yeah. um, and you know they don't have that option. And, and you know it's also you know I'm sure it'd be in their conscious. You know if I don't do this, I'm mm. I'm not helping a patient or or something like that. Yeah. So it's it, I mean, it's easy to I suppose look at it from our lens, but also in those industries. Mm. Um, what do you do? I mean, yeah. we've got so many nurses on food banks and you know public sector workers. That's true. If anything, they maybe think, yeah, that's why a lot of people are quitting. If anything, they probably had to work harder during exactly. That yeah. 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 So it's that's a that's a very that's a very fair point. I've, I've got some rose tinted glasses here <laughs> when it comes to looking at this subject. Um, 
on on similarly on the BBC website, um, there was another article that I found. Um, there was a section called work life, and and it was once again talking about obviously this phenomenon. Um, but it's this this author of this article is stating that it's not anything new. So we have here um, the idea of quiet quitting has, has long existed, says Anthony Klotz, uh, who's associate professor at the University of College London School of Management. Um, he says, although this has come from a younger generation and in new packaging, this trend has been studied under different names for decades. Disengagement, neglect, withdrawal. He says workers have always looked to just get in just to get by in their job for various reasons. And he says there are, there are many people not in a position to leave their role that may have non-transferable skills, accrued flexibility and benefits they can't have elsewhere, or live in a small community with a dearth of other opportunities. He, had, he adds that the economy can also play a role in keeping unhappy workers in their jobs. Slowdowns increase the risk and cost associated with quitting because of the weaker job market. I mean, that's never probably never been so true now, actually. I think it's... Some, I mean, it's just another subject entirely, but things are quite unstable, actually, in the workplace. Well, if they're not so now, then I think they certainly will be in 2023. It sounds a bit doom and gloom, but I'm just only saying that just based on what's happening in international affairs, you know, just Brexit aside, pandemic aside, you know, you're hearing of, obviously... Um, you know, Russia-Ukraine situation. Well, the other day, when you're hearing Russia's now kind of turned off the kind of the, the sort of the pipeline to Europe, and that, and like I said, that's another show in its own right. I mean, that's a major move. That in terms of escalation and the impact it will have. And I was reading statistics about Europe have, a, you know, for example, three months worth of sort of gas in their storage facilities. Which, if you think about it, we're September. It takes us up to. To, to round about December, that that cold period, December January, of which the storage has sort of run out, um, and they've turned off the pipeline. So, yeah, I mean, it's a I think really it's about to get a whole load worse. Yeah, it is. But are you are you are you linking that to the mental health effect that's going to have on us, or are you saying that in general this sort of quiet quitting is just it's about to it's about to blow up now because we're maybe actually I'm just yeah, thinking that through. I think you're right because. Because I am seeing in other places where, you know, some of my colleagues who are a lot younger, I think they're beginning to question, well, see, I, I actually think it's a fine balance now. I think companies are sort of in this tight spot where they probably want, and I'm, re- I'm really generalising here, but they may, you know, if they want, they want their sort of staff to come back into the office, but younger sort of staff, when I say younger, sort of kind of fresh out of university, college, um, they may be like, well, why am I going to come in to the office and pay that extra well, travel travel mm. fares? Mm. Um, you know, and, and obviously what comes with it coming to the office means obviously kind of eating out. When I could be at home um, and saving all of that because, you know, my, you know, you're not paying me, you know, well enough to be able to do all those things. So it's sort of that sort of that, that, that cycle. Um, but, but thinking that through, <laughs> and now I'm just thinking, but can you imagine a situation where people do have to go into work maybe to sort of to heat themselves but I mean, that's another conversation yeah, well, time uh, well, people I, I, recently <laughs> went in didn't they because it was so hot they wanted to go to the office yeah yeah because the AC, AC yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I did read an article that um, this um, cost of living crisis I mean I'm not sure yeah. it, it might be a bit drastic to say but said cost of living the cost of living crisis yeah. will kill working from home because people won't be able to aff- or, or yeah. bills will be oh, so high they'll be like, well I might as well go into the office interesting um, right. so 
there is that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Or it might go back to this, the, the opposite of this. People think, okay, I need to try and work harder to try and yeah. you know, pay those extra yeah. bills that yeah. I'm going to have to Well, I, I've cover. also seen somewhere that, again, and this is probably going, you know, going towards killing the worker from home, where I think companies have had conversations about changing the pay to reflect um, oh. sort of, you know, that flexibility. So, so, so companies so want to save money now because if they know yeah. that you know you're not having to spend on travel like you said or on food and they'll probably cut your salary they'll probably cut your salary yeah there could, there's, there's there's some of these conversations happening so yeah that will probably yeah make people fly back to the office um some some statistics that i've found um in in relation to this sort of this trend of quite <coughs> of quiet quitting um they're, but they're more based around sort of the US um this is a Gallup report um that says that only 15% of employees are actively engaged at work, um, which means 85% could be quite quitting, which is quite amazing. <laughs> um, but it says the numbers are a little better for the US, with 33% of employees engaged at work. Um, uh, and so the remainder, so 60%, are sort of you know thinking about quite quitting. So that, I'm wondering if that means our workers in the United States more hardworking? I don't know. Although do do the the annual leave situation is quite tough. I've heard it's <coughs> yeah they have a lot less annual mm-hmm. leave, don't they? Yeah, in general. yeah. Um, there was another sort of infographic around the USA is the number is the number two country in the world for quite quitting. Um, interestingly, uh, do you know which country came out, just as a guess? Do you know which country came first for quite quitting behaviour? So what we mean by that, just for for our listeners, you know, disengagement from the team. Going, going, you know, not going above and beyond, you know, doing the bare minimum, basically. Um, do you know what the number one country who sort of excelled in that type of behaviour? Any guesses? I'm looking at it now, so. Oh, you know the answer. So, well, you're, you're <laughs> laughing, so I'm wondering if it's the UK, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you know, it's so funny. Well, you know, it's not even on there, actually, yeah. which is quite surprising. Canada. Canada. Um, was really, su- I was really surprised by that. Because I would have, I would have expected yeah. the UK to be honest. Do you uh, know what would be interesting though? Yeah. To see if we can get some sort of comparison for countries with, you know, this high level of quiet quitting and then happiness. Yes. That'd be an interesting thing to compare. That's a good point. <laughs> Actually, well, you say that, and I'm just looking, still looking at the same chart, and Finland. So the Scandinavian countries are sort of they yeah. are, they're of that nature, right? Yeah. A really sort of you know, when you hear in the reports a great work-life balance. And they're coming in sort of um, Finland, so they're 62% lower than the US. So that's, yeah, that's quite, maybe that sort of reflects that. Interestingly, China is the lowest. So I'm not sure how to read that in terms of, but. Um, how, oh, oh, I just wonder how they calculate this, because yeah. how, how do they know if someone's. That's, that's true. Quite, I mean, especially quite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some honesty there. It's crazy. You know, this will go into someone's sort of PhD doctorate, and we'll start yeah. getting some yeah. understanding. I think it's just too new a phenomenon to actually really know what quiet quitting is. Yeah, yeah. seems like it's just a combination of a lot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then we've got one around sort of the costs that quiet quitting sort of uh, what that sort of impact it has. Quiet quitting leads to worldwide company losses of up to one point five trillion each year. So that. Yeah, that can't be music to the ears of um, company CEOs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, thing is, whenever I look at these figures, mm. I suppose if you flip that right, mm. so if people didn't do this, yeah. and then they you know, lead to burnout earlier or health conditions, 
cost more. What 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 what's the cost of that, right? So <laughs> yeah, if you true. if you net that off, exactly, which one outweighs, that's, right? That's so it's true. It, it's just it's like with the with the the GDP figure, right? We're always talking about yeah. you know, economic growth and how much growth does the economy have, yeah. um, and we're, we're always trying to strive for that growth. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, how does that growth then impact climate and mm. all yeah. the other um, you know aspects of our lives? You know, we've seen the impact of climate change, even the flooding in Pakistan, and, and yeah. you know these kind of situations. Um, what is the kind of negative impact and what's the yeah. you know overall cost exactly. to, to yeah. the world and society so and uh, that's what linked to point. that well, how do they actually measure it and, uh, and should GDP you know yeah. I mean, I've gone off topic no, but, 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 a, but should that be a, a statistic that we exactly you know sh- we should maybe look at the other side as well uh, yeah. uh, and how much it costs in terms of health and Absolutely. all those other aspects that, that, yeah that definitely is a show in itself that yeah <laughs> and I've read about sort of should we be using GDP? And, and was, I think they, they developed a happiness index, but yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Um, and so the last statistic um, that I've got here is 79% of employees report that they would stop quite quitting if given more recognition. So that's interesting to note, and maybe not obvious. And I think I'll come back to that actually in, in sort of the second part of the show where we sort of look at Islamic perspective, because that really does remind me of, a, of, a, of quite a profound saying um, of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, so these statistics have come from teambuilding.com uh, where they've actually l- looked into quiet quitting. Um, which sort of brings me to, I saw something recently because um, so of a sort of a reputable report. Um, this is known as the, the Gallup State of the Global Workplace 2022 reports just come out. Um, I think some of the sort of the key findings that global engagement and well-being trends are stable but low Employee stress is at a new all-time high, which, yeah, maybe that doesn't come as a surprise. Um, and it says South Asian and European workers' hopes have declined. Um, um, the global economy loses <coughs> trillions due to low engagement. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, as we've said before, it it is yeah, it's just it's just I think it's the uncertainty. It's just too, you know. I think it's quite sad that you'd think after a pandemic, the world, and we've done shows on this in the past, where you'd think the need for sort of collaboration, more sort of working together would be stressed over the pandemic. Um, After all, I thought that's kind of what helped in terms of sort of the vaccine rollout and sort of, you know, that sort of communications between countries. Um, Although, you know, regret, you know, unfortunately, they were in a situation where there were countries that sort of were kind of sidelined. Um, but if we were learn one thing from the pandemic, it was sort of this need for ever more sort of cooperation. And yet, as soon as the pandemic's over, we've kind of done the opposite. And it's just, it's sad, really, isn't it? Beggars belief, really. You haven't really learned anything. Um, yeah, well, well, another part of it could be, was is it actually gone the opposite after the pandemic? Or is it just that the, pandi- the pandemic has highlighted yeah. that this is happening? Um, it's interesting what you say earlier actually um, I think a lot more organisations are looking into yeah. mental health for their sort of staff members there's a lot more sort of uh, job perks that are, have those sort of like previously it would just be your medical health care yeah. or like you know some sort of gym membership but now I know a lot more organisations are doing that and, and, and they're trying to counter it but it, it, it just makes you think like 
can they ever counter something like that? But also, um, what what again? It just comes back to what is quiet quitting because what what is this disengagement? What does it actually mean? Mm. Um, in in the website that you quoted, you know, it says um, where sort of you know employees are just doing the bare minimum of you know part of their job to to keep their job, but. Yeah. In actual fact, like if they're actually ticking off what's on their contract, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, is that can you still call that quiet quitting? Like it's it's weird. I don't yeah. quite understand this yeah. Yeah. term properly to be able to like real give to give any real sort of judgment on it. But yeah, there's a there's a there's a multitude of issues that it brings up, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and 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 does highlight a lot of these issues to you. But yeah, I don't I don't yeah. quite know where I stand with it if I'm honest. Yeah, no, no I get you. Um, which. I want to come back to this. There's an article, actually, that Anila, you mentioned earlier, um, which I think, <coughs> interestingly, this article actually was uh, it's on the Guardian website, and it was actually published a lot earlier before this trend even came out. It was, still, it was January this year, 6th of January 2022, article in the, an article in the Guardian titled, Your Work is Not Your God, Welcome to the Age of the Burnout Epidemic. Um, and I'm... Which is interesting because this was so this is the beginning of the year and we're sort of this we're seeing this sort of hashtag kind of trending now around quiet quitting, but um, so you could see there's obviously something happening sort of you know simmering underneath sort of society you know what you know the way what workers are feeling essentially but there was a, a fantastic piece in this article um, in the Guardian which sort of reminded me of my kind of sociology days. Um, there were there, I remember when we were studying um, and there was a someone known as almost one of the fathers of, so, of sociology um, Max Weber uh, a German uh, a German sociologist and he had writ, uh, written a book called The the Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism it's written in 1905 profound book um, and he basically what Max Weber had said was work anxiety is actually built into capitalism in, in i mean in a nutshell he that that's what that book was basically saying is the fact that capitalism thrived in 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 sort of the united kingdom great britain um and sort of the west the western sort of you know societies is because of the nature of you know protestantism was practiced more so in sort of uk and 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 and, and so the ethics that kind of protestantism sort of taught really sort of uh, embed um, sort of what I seem to be sort of capitalism principles, sort of work hard, if you work hard you'll succeed. Sort of these sort of these sort of principles, these kind of conservative values it's pretty much baked into capitalism really. Um, And so so there's some interesting kind of um, quotes from this article that that I'll read actually, where he says where it says, you know, the the Protestant the, the book, The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism um, which is still it perfectly captures the mindset that sustains our work ethic today. In that book, Weber shows how our European Protestants created a mode of thinking about money, work, and dignity that we to this day cannot escape from our iron cage, <coughs> is, is the term that Weber uses. So he says Max Weber argues um, he derives from the theology of, of, of Calvin. So there was a, yeah, there was a, there was a Protestant known as John Calvin. Those who are interested in that area, there's sort of a, there's something called Calvinism. He was a 16th century Christian reformer, uh, noted for his doctrine of predestination, which means God chooses or elects uh, some people um, uh, for salvation, with the rest destined for eternal death. Only God knows who has been chosen and who hasn't. Um, so in sort of this Calvinistic theology, 
you know, it's sort of good works is what naturally will will, will get you to sort of a, you know a, a sort of that, that righteous place. Um, so he says that's you know God's elect will perform good works uh, as an outgrowth of their blessed status. So if you're curious about your election, examine your actions um, to gain assurance of your sort of you know your your election to sort of good deeds. Then you need to know that you are being productive, enriching yourself and your community through labor. So Weber saw capitalism as a as a sort of a monstrous cosmos. In his view, capitalism was an all-encompassing economic and moral system, um, and one of humanity's sort of constructions. Um, you know, we live in a system in a system that can really see that, that really sees it. We you know we take its norms for granted. Everything you do, from going to the right to preschool to labouring, is in, in a productive career to receiving medical medical care on your deathbed you do because somewhere someone thinks that they can make money from it the capitalist cosmos imposes a choice on you adopt its ethic or accept poverty and scorn so this this notion really is about you know if you work hard you'll be rewarded in this life and so that sort of merger of this 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 principle known as calvinism which is kind of a form of sort of protestantism um mixed into the mix sort of you know cap, you know this sort of capitalist free market thinking it really was a, a perfect b- breeding ground to the way sort of the uk great britain really just took off sort of 18th 19th century it just in terms of its economy it, it, we've never seen the like of it really it's sort of the, you know not to say i'm not trying to i'm not trying to trying to paint a picture that it's all it was all bad and all greed because i suppose as a result of it, innovation was born out of that as well the steam engine and all sorts of good things, the industrial revolution. But um, but I think what's interesting is that the, the, as I come back to the title of this article in the Guardian, where it's you know it says that your work is not your god, um, and I think maybe that's probably what's. I'm wondering if we're kind of hitting the limits now, where 21st century, where <clears throat> you know I'm not I'm not in any way in any sense of shape or form saying how the work that people had to do sort of 18th 19th century you know, working working down the coal mines had had you know working 18 hour days you know physically demanding on the body but i'm i'm just wondering if nowadays are we sort of are we kind of seeing the 21st century equivalent where we're also working 12 to 18 hour days but just staring at a screen I and mean, i think it's come to the point you mentioned neil it's more the mental yeah and i don't think strength. we switch off because yeah. um uh, I was listening to a, a, a talk and, and it said that we are the most distracted society, uh, yeah. you know, that, that the society has ever been because yeah. um, we've constantly got noti- notifications on our phone and yeah. we're, we're constantly looking at a screen, whether it's at work or, you know, you're on WhatsApp or you're on yeah. Facebook or whatever other social media um, site you use. Yeah. Uh, and and we're, we're just constantly switched on. We We don't kind of we don't switch off yeah. uh, and and so um that's adding you know this is this is not something that that you had in the past yeah. um and so once you maybe once you'd finished from work maybe you could switch off yeah. but now we're just constantly um bombarded with news or you know we feel like we need to um continuously yeah be be doing something we've got a phone that's just always just yeah on right so yeah, exactly <laughs> I mean, what, what what's the alternative of sort of some of the things you were just saying, Kaleem, which is, you know, to me, a lot of it sounded like, you know, working hard, yeah, being creative, yeah, and finding that advancement in sort of your professional life. It sounds as if that's where 
sort of this theory is trying to fight saying oh no there's this anxiety built into capitalism but like you said that that's that probably is the only way to progress i mean what other way is there yeah. a- aside from working hard coming up with new ideas and then working harder yeah. but but then on the flip side i suppose what anil was saying is we probably are so distracted we like so so uh, the way i'm trying to look at it is like if i if i was talking to you know a teenager at the moment and like trying to give them advice on what this sort of term really means yeah. like on one uh, on one side i'd be like yeah you should quite quit just give up on everything that's just distracting you all the time yeah. and trying to make you do too much and that comes from sort of the social media side of things and but then on another side I would be like focus and work super hard on something that you do want to work hard on and be successful and go and try and chase that success. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's the point right. Are, are we trying to do <clears throat> too too much as in multitask too much and not focusing on, you know, give whatever we we want to kind of our goals or achieve. Yeah. Are we you know, we we should focus maybe on 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 that first and then yeah. try and do other things and rather than trying to do kind of yeah like five six different things all at the same time yeah uh, and another interesting um uh, fact i guess you could call it um that i you know heard in the same talk was that when we're actually multitasking yeah that much you know we, we think of multitasking as a, as a, as a, as a good thing mm-hmm. right yeah. Yeah. but when we're trying to do that much our yeah. iq actually decreases yeah as in to the, to the expense of everything else, you're just yeah. As in, yeah. say you're you know you're not I don't know you're, you're trying to read a book, yeah. listen, talk to someone else. You know these are obviously oh, so things cool. that you can't do at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. But you're trying to just do everything. You know yeah. you feel like there's so much to do, yeah. and you're just trying to do it all within the you know yeah. a certain space of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, by doing that, your IQ yeah. decreases, and it's not helpful or productive. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> maybe focus on one thing at yeah. a time rather than uh, and, and it, I think in some cases natural you, you might again we probably don't know the coping mechanisms you just think yeah. right I've got all these things to do or you, you, all these things I want to do yeah. um, but you, you just try and cram them all in and, yeah. and not focus on one, one thing so so, in, so I'm glad you kind of both raised this and and that really is what part two is about <laughs> and um, so we're going to take a short break um, because I've got a clip here that sort of is it's really an education piece that we've um, taken from our sister channel um, Muslim Television MDA, MTA um, which appears on channel uh, 731 on, on Sky and there was a program um, called Balance um, which was looking at um, sort of essentially the, the, the issues that we are facing more, more and more in today's sort of world around sort of mental health anxiety depression um, which will lead us nicely into sort of how do we exa- how do we sort of maintain that balance basically what what advice does islam give um when it comes to sort of dealing with sort of islam is not it does not say for example to become like monks and just sit at home all day uh, and meditate um but at the same time you know it doesn't give the advice of just selling one soul for the purpose of work um so let's take a listen to the clip and um and join us after the break you know today's life is so fast-paced and on a day-to-day basis, it's difficult to find time to stop and take care of ourselves, our minds and our souls. And mental health is so closely linked with spiritual and physical health, yet we uh, pay very little attention to this aspect of our well-being. 
So let's start from the beginning. How is mental health defined? Mental health includes our social, emotional, and psychological well-being. In fact, it is, it is how we act and think. And it also helps us determine how we make choices, how we react in a stressful situation. So sound mental health is very important in every stage of the life, starting from childhood to adolescence, adulthood, and senior years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned, sound mental health is so closely linked with spiritual and physical health. But when it comes to physical illnesses, as a society, as a culture, we tend to be more accommodating and understanding of physical illnesses. Mm -hmm. But when the term mental health comes, um, it seems as if we're uh, lacking some awareness or understanding. There is a stigma. Uh, around mental health illnesses. You know, whenever people hear that term, they tend to jump to crazy or unbalanced or unstable. Um, and that, of course, means that we're lacking the awareness and the understanding surrounding these issues. Exactly. I completely agree with you that we lack the awareness about the mental health. Mm -hmm. So mental health is being mindful of your triggers mm -hmm. and the things which makes you stressed, depressed or nervous. Mm -hmm. And mental health has a direct connection with our physical and spiritual health. Mm -hmm. So if we're not going to be mentally sound, it's going to affect how we pray and how we do daily life activities. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to take away that stigma and better understand what mental health mm -hmm. means. Indeed, indeed. So let's start our discussion today with a very common nervous disorder that we have all experienced at one stage or another of our lives, which is anxiety. So firstly, what is it? Uh, anxiety, extreme apprehension, nervousness, it's a common response of human beings in response to a stressful situation. Mm -hmm. Anxiety means being fearful, stressed, or excessive worry. And we all have experienced the anxiety in certain mm -hmm. times of our life. Mm -hmm. And it can be helpful sometimes, like before writing an exam, mm -hmm. interview, public speaking. Mm -hmm. In fact, it helps us motivate mm -hmm. to prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, when anxiety gets excessive, uh, chronic, and it happens on everyday life. Mm -hmm. And that's the point where it needs to be addressed and treated. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing ca is called anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so how does one identify it? What are some common symptoms? Typically, who suffer from anxiety, they experience a range of symptoms. Some of them are excessive worry about their children, about work, school performance, financial issues, when there is no direct threat to it. Mm -hmm. And some people also experience their heart beating goes very fast. They feel short of breath, chest tightness, muscle gets really tight, mm -hmm. and one common symptom is upset stomach. Mm -hmm. So these sound like very common, you know, symptoms that we've probably all felt at some stage mm -hmm. or another. So it seems like it's a very individualized condition. Are we able to treat it? And if so, how? Yes, it's treatable. And treatment typically involves uh, prayer, meditation, lifestyle changes, psychotherapy or a talk therapy. And if none of them works, then we move towards the medication. Okay, so, so we can start with simple techniques like relaxation techniques, deep breathing exercises, saying some Durush Sharif or saying Salat on time or Nawafil. Mm -hmm. In Quran, Allah says, when I get ill, it is He who restores me to health. Mm -hmm. 
So we should keep in our mind, whether it's a physical, mental, or spiritual illness, mm -hmm. we have to uh, turn towards Allah, Ashafi, mm -hmm. to get the, the healing. Uh, healing. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And other common things which we can do is affirming the positive self-talk. That plays a big role. Just mm -hmm. when you get anxious, you tell yourself, I'm okay, it's mm -hmm. just the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get over with mm -hmm. it. Talking to a friend whom you can trust, mm -hmm. because when it comes to the mental health, trust is a big issue, mm -hmm. whom you, who you can trust about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So whom you can trust and talking to that friend is very, also makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, just thinking about the present, rather worrying about the future because mm -hmm. nobody can predict the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So these are the simple things mm -hmm. which we can introduce on, mm -hmm. in our lives to help mm -hmm. us. So you've just heard a clip there um, from our sister channel uh, MTA, um, which is a program that is on that channel called Balance. Um, we were discussing the topic for that particular show was looking at mental health uh, and how to tackle anxiety and depression which links very much to the topic of today's show. If you've just joined us on the Pathway to Peace program, we've been looking at sort of this emerging trend uh, or hashtag known as quiet quitting, where there seems to be a sort of a perception of burnout amongst sort of younger generation and, 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 and old as well who have been working, but have been working sort of overtime and clocking up as many hours as possible and, and, and as a result are facing that burnout. I think what we were talking about before the show um, was how... But is there anything wrong with sort of having that sort of hard, hard-working ethic? Sort of allows you to sort of um, climb up that sort of social ladder. But, but I guess one thing I will say is, when you look at sort of the guidance that we take from the Holy Quran, there's a verse um, that I think kind of sums up sort of this whole, this, this, the, the, what we're sort of looking at here. So the the answer to a lot of the points we raised in the first half of the show comes from chapter three, verse fifteen. And the English translation of the verse is beautified for men is the love of desired things, women and children and stored up heaps of gold and silver and pastured horses and cattle and crops. That is the provision of the present life. But it is with God with whom is an excellent home. And there is, um, you know, so, and, and this, this was a, a sermon, a Friday sermon that was conducted by His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Amdi Muslim community, Hazrat Muslim Surah Ahmed on the Friday the 8th uh, of December 2017 the title of the sermon itself was Seeking the Pleasure of God and he says when reflecting on that particular verse where he says God has described the state of those who abandon God and the acquisition of this world becomes their only goal when man forgets God he is seized by Satan all these things are created by God and they are among the blessings of God for which one should derive benefit and he quotes um, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, the promised Messiah, where he states, Remember that it is not at all the will of God that you completely cut yourselves off from this world. Rather, God's will is that he indeed truly prospers who purifies his soul. And so and the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mizar Ghulam Ahmed, goes into further state, Do undertake trade, farming, employment or craftsmanship. Undertake whatever pleases you. However, Endeavour to restrain your desires from disobeying God, the exalted, and undertake such purification that these matters do not make you unmindful of him. Um, so he said, so, and it's really interesting. I'll just mention one more thing about this verse that, that, that His Holiness quoted in that Friday sermon, 
the term for the Arabic term for desired things, um, the Arabic term um, is known as shahwat, which means an intense desire or yearning for something and a constant worry regarding it. It also denotes a thing or a goal which is merely based on selfish desires, filth and something or someone with an increased sense of lust can also be described using this word. Um, so in so in this context, when God states this, this word, that, des- that the desire of such things has been placed in the hearts of people, it doesn't signify that this love or desire comes from God, but rather these are sort of satanic desires that distance one from God. Um, um, so it's a very profound word, actually, and uh, we could do a show just on that particular word. But I think it's quite beautiful where Islam strikes that balance. Um, and I think there are Quranic verses that sort of allude to that, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know we 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 were just saying that um, you know in in our conversation previously, we were saying that actually when we pray, um, you know, we're we're praying to God to give us the blessings and success in this world, as well as the hereafter. So there shouldn't be this notion, or there shouldn't be this misunderstanding that become completely like you know a saintly type figure. Where nothing else matters to you, but yeah. sort of the the aim of reaching God, it should be the balance yeah. which you need to strike. Yeah, because, um, because as we know, there are people that sort of end up neglecting family. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, and then, and then another sort of verse comes to mind where, you know, in the Quran, it's written, "Surely it is in the remembrance of God that the heart finds ease." Uh, to me, like if I was to just break that down to sort of within my limited knowledge it's basically highlighting to me that actually it's it's, it's none of this financial gain that's going to give me happiness or at least that contentment it's none of this being successful in my job that's part and part of life and that will help me in life but actually ultimately if I want that contentment and we just saw a clip on anxiety and and if I want to stay away from sort of those difficulties I have to remember God. And so I think Islam there therefore places that balance that give due right, you know, to all of those necessities and God and sort of some people may call it meditation and some but whatever wh- whatever form it's in, your dues need to go back to remembering God because that's where you're going to find the ultimate comfort. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we were talking obviously in the first half of the show around naturally people are sort of it's only it's only logical to see a sort of a burnout amongst workers who are sort of clocking up these 12-hour days. But we find within Islam sort of this natural kind of break-up of the day when it comes to the five daily prayers. Don't know any, any thoughts Yeah, on I that? mean, I think that's a very good point because sometimes when I'm when I'm sitting in front of the, the screen at work and I've, you know, maybe I've been sitting there for some time yeah. and, you know, I look at the time, like, oh, it's time to pray. It, it, it almost forces you to get up and, rem- you know, yeah. so it's... It, it, Remove yourself from the situation. Exactly, and and yeah. so it's almost uh, inbuilt in Islam to get you to, you know, stop and pause and 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 think about yeah think about God um, and yeah. and pray to God. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's uh, kind of almost inbuilt in Islam, and that's kind of uh, a nice you know way to kind of you know maybe a form of meditation or or something like that yeah. to actually take a break, take a pause in the day, and not you know yeah. Um, overdo it yeah um, it's sort of I, I think it's interesting as well the fact that as part of 
for non-Muslim listeners that may be tuning in, is as sort of the, the prerequisites to prayer is, is is this sort of practice known as the the wudu, sort of ablution. The, and and I, I raise that because of it involves sort of you know using water to sort of refresh yourself, and there are various postures, you know, water over your face, kind of you know, over your hands, um, across your sort of you know you know your head. But I just think that in itself, uh, you know, and I'm I'm sure we could do a show even on that topic, but it's sort of the the sort of the the scientific sort of benefits of that even it sort of it, once again that's another sort of break that you know it, it has a sort of a, a subtle very calming effect on the body on the nervous system even just the, the use of water um, in that way um, but I, I, I think what's interesting is I know obviously as we were talking about sort of just the nature of that hard working ethic which is key and I suppose it has led to sort of the successes of, of countries uh, although I, I suppose I can question it the way they've sort of attained those successes and maybe as and have sort of trodden on others to get there but i think the beauty of the islamic sort of perspective is yes by all means work hard but that's not sort of the end game i was just going to say that yeah. that's that's exactly yeah the the beauty of islam is that it's highlighting your purpose isn't it yeah. it's and i think you know if you're burning out at work and because it's it's because you know if you're making that your sole purpose yeah. then it's inevitable that you will burn out um, yeah, yeah. Because you probably don't see anything outside of it, yeah. which is of any real value to you, and that's where Islam calls you towards recognizing your Creator, because it's it's for your own inner peace, really. Yeah. It, it's to highlight to you that actually there's, and I think we said this in our previous show as well. There's a, there's a friend here who'll always who, who's, who's around. You just need to make the effort to try and find that friend, and and that needs to be your purpose rather than you know burning yourself out at work or social media or any of this it's about yeah it's about finding your creator and i think that's where islam really sort of brings that out into your sort of day-to-day living mm, yeah there was a statistic that we quoted in the first half of the show around 79 percent of employees report that they would stop quite quitting if given more recognition and i found that particularly interesting because this this saying of the, of the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him once said you know pay the worker before his sweat dries and what's interesting is as as many of the of the sayings of the holy prophet is when you look at it and you think at the time oh yeah i understand what's being said but when you apply that sort of 21st century life and you think well look at working conditions it's quite i say it's profound that when you apply the spirit of what he's saying to address these sort of burnout issues you know, it blows your mind really to think that these solutions have been prescribed, you know, fifteen hundred years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot we can go into in terms of work and and the rights Islam bought, yeah, um, or, or brought about in in terms of how to treat sort of or, or what to do within sort of working the working world, and and I think we've mentioned it before in sort of yeah. the financial system and and, and all of that. Um, and even you know the treatment of slaves and stuff like that. So there's a lot that Islam sort of highlights. But again, it's another show in itself. Yeah. But it, it highlights h- how to keep people, um, you know, how to treat people in a manner which at, at least tries to prevent that sort of mm. uh, feeling at work, which you're, which 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 you've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I think uh, as we've touched on, it, the, the key is the balance, right? Yeah. So. Uh, and the Quran in, in chapter 102 talks about mutual rivalry and seeking worldly increase diverts from God. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's quite a profound thing, you know. As you said, 
that's not the end end goal. Yes, we need to look at. Um, you know, we ask for good in this world, but also in the hereafter. That that's the end goal. Yeah. And I think that's uh, you know really a profound yeah. um, quote from the Quran. Well, only for time reasons, I'm afraid we have to bring this episode to a close. But before we do, here's a quote from Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, who claimed to be the Messiah and Mahdi of the latter days, in which he seeks to explain how a balanced approach is needed when interacting with the world, and that a believer does not allow the love of material objects to grow to such an extent that it makes one forget God. He says, Remember that it is not at all the will of God that you completely cut yourselves off from this world. Rather, his will is... He indeed truly prospers who purifies his soul. He further says, Do not undertake trade, farming, employment or craftsmanship. Undertake whatever pleases you. However, endeavour to restrain your desires from disobeying God, the exalted, and undertake such purification that these matters do not make you unmindful of him. And at another occasion, the Promise of Messiah states, The fulfilment of the rights of the self is permissible, but transgressions of the self are not. That's it for this week's edition of Pathway to Peace. We're back same time next week. I've been your host, Kaleem Anwar. Thank you to my co-presenters, Anil Shams and Shams Najim. Anil Tahir and Shams Najim. You can comment on today's programme through Twitter by tweeting at Voice of Islam UK. Peace be upon you. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.